I would like to preach to you this morning on love. Oh, you think you know what that's all about? Wait until this is over with. Love. I don't know if any of you guys here are old hippies. Uh-oh. I went to a love-in in 1967 in Pasadena, California. Can everybody hear me all right? Is that coming through, Sam? Yep. yep. What an experience. Now imagine, if you will, here's everyone as we found this city park in Pasadena, the center of all hippie culture. I found myself in the middle of a love-in because we were curious. What a mind picture I'm fixing to describe to you. I was in the Marine Corps. I had no hair. It was my first duty station in Southern California. And we were tough as nails. And we just wanted to go see what all this love-in stuff was all about. I want you to know it's not what you think. There were people over here, four or five, some guy beating on a guitar and everybody smoking pot. And over here was some guy walking around with a skinhead with a lousy looking t-shirt on looking for a fight. And there were people wandering all around the place just looking for trouble. That's what the love-in was. There was only a few people really wanting to do what they thought was love. All it was was a get-together of people who really didn't know what love was. Do you know what love is? We were doing a uh, revival somewhere in Arizona last year, and this man came to me before service. I didn't know who he was, a visitor. He said, I'm just a visitor here, and we got through preaching a sermon on, matter of fact, it was this sermon. He came up to me afterwards with tears in his eyes. He says, this is what I needed to hear because I never really knew what love was. And you answered the question. Church, I was confused about it too because you're all taught in church, grab everybody, oh, I love you. Oh, man, I just love everybody. You know, God is love. God is love. Have you ever stopped to think what the definition of love is? It's a human emotion. But what about a spiritual emotion and a spiritual renewal or a spiritual insight as to what love truly is? Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. This is the old King James Version. I have got every translation in the world. This is my original Bible. It's what I preach out of, but I do some research to dig into what the meaning of some of these words are. This is really interesting. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now they call this, and I was taught in ministry teaching, that this is the love chapter. 
Everybody say love chapter. Well, what an eye-opening experience. I didn't see love in there. How do you translate what we're about to read into what love is and apply it to your life? What? Verse 1, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. Everybody say charity. charity. And I am becoming... As, sing, as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I have my body to be burned, give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth itself not. It's not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemingly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which in part shall be, is which in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away such childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. This word will endure forever. We're grateful, Lord, that the born-again experience that you put inside of us gives us, Lord, not only the spiritual understanding, but the desire to look in your word and see what the translations of English, Lord, from the Greek and the Hebrew truly mean to us. And I praise and thank you that you truly are, Lord Jesus, the epitome of love. And what the Holy Spirit has given us is, Lord, the understanding of charity. We thank you for this gospel, the anointing to preach it and receive it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. All right. I own a Webster's Collegiate Dictionary printed in 1954. It's that thick. It's made of paper thin as this Bible and it's got more in it than what you've got today. This is what the American Collegiate Dictionary says the definition of charity is. Number one, leniency in judging men and their actions. I'll read it again. Leniency in judging men and their actions. Here's the second part. 
that I believe applies to you and I. The ability through the regeneration of salvation to see the potential of any individual and the desire of forgiveness. Now, how can you say that means love? What it means is that now that you have been born again, that God Almighty has placed something inside of your heart that gives you the ability to see the potential of someone that is not a Christian. I can't run up to somebody that I can't stand and say, I love you. Can you? Now, uh, come on, let's be honest here. It's tough to love someone who's unlovable. I love my wife. I truly love my wife. But I can't say I love you because I don't know you. In the natural, we can't love anyone that is unlovable. And even as a Christian, I can't run up to you and say I love you, but I can see the potential in you because of my regeneration and my ability through the eyes of what Christ has placed in me to see that potential of you becoming one of God's people. Charity. It's not to disgrace someone who's disgracing themselves through what they're saying or their lifestyle. It's the ability to say, all right, I would like to help you because I can see in you that you're desiring a change in your life. Don't think that miserable people are having a good time, church. We ought to know some of those that didn't get saved until they were 30, 30 years old. Like me. I was no bad guy. I never spent time in jail. As a matter of fact, I was an MP when I was in the Marines. But everyone in jail was innocent. <laughs> Everybody there didn't do it. Then why are you there? We're here this morning because we love the Lord. We truly love the Lord. Why? Because our mind and our heart has been renewed, regenerated, and now we understand what true love is. I couldn't go to the cross like Christ went to the cross for me. Before I was ever saved, I, well, I was raised a Catholic. If you want to consider going to church once a year, whether I needed it or not, and mom would refuse to put 10% of anything in that offering. We were raised to know something about God and that he's going to get you when you do bad things. But when I was born again, I found out this Jesus that loved me so much wanted to forgive me. Now, that's something I didn't want to do for someone else. It's something that a lot of us would love to see happen. Somebody else get theirs. Right? Okay. So here I'm. It's 1987. I'm a brand new Christian. One week old in the Lord. I was an automobile. I know I look like a car salesman. <laughs> 
All I ever wore all of my life was a uniform. If it wasn't in the military, it was a uniform that fixed your cars. I was an automobile mechanic in car dealerships for 31 years. I'm working for Chevrolet in 1987, and I'm driving a 1972 Vega. <laughs> Listen to everybody laugh. See, you don't understand. The reason we drive that bus is because I can fix it. <laughs> Only reason. I'm driving a 72 Vega because it didn't cost me a dime. Somebody gave me the thing because they thought it was a heap, a pile of junk. But I knew how to fix them. Good car, when a good mechanic got a hold of it and fixed it, it ran for 10 years till someone ran a red light and broke every piece of metal on that car and almost me in it. I'm driving to work. I'm one week old in Jesus, and here come the power of God. Wow, man, this is wonderful. I've been born again, and here God's going to come and, and say something to me, I think, or whatever's going on here. And all of a sudden, here come the power of God. I'm in, wiping tears away, and the Vegas flying all over the road. I'm going, praise the Lord and thank you, Jesus. And he said, I want you to forgive. <laughs> what? There's someone I want you to forgive. Well, now, oh no, not him. <laughs> forgive him. Absolutely not. Everybody all right? I want to see him roast in hell. Forgive him. No way, shape, or form. Now I'm really weaving on the road. God is ringing me inside out, Pastor. You ever been there? Huh? I mean the power of the Holy Spirit was just twisting me around. Whoa, Lord, have mercy. I said, oh, have you ever tried bargaining with God and think you got him? Here I am driving along, and I said, Lord, oh, oh, yeah, gotcha. I can't forgive him. He's dead. God said, you say the words and he'll hear you say what if I say the words even though he's dead he's going to hear that yeah couldn't do it I drove another mile the Holy Spirit really getting me but good now and finally I said Lord I can't do this thing without your help he said say the words and I said okay <clears throat> I forgive you he said you can do better than that one more time I said okay Lord I'll try to do this but I can't do it without your help I, I, I try to find everything within my heart to say it and mean it I said I need that little bitty faith of something so with that faith and trust in God that small amount did I really 100% mean it no but I gave it my best I said I forgive you and it was just like God reached in my heart and body and pulled out a hundred pounds of hate. I could only do that, church, because of charity. To see the potential of someone that I couldn't stand that had died, I thought, in sin. And to have them roast in hell forever because they had it coming. But that same Jesus let me know in my mind without saying a word that he had to forgive me.
as much as I had to forgive him. And it washed my soul. And it brought a peace within me that has never left. From that point on, I'd run up to people I couldn't stand. And I said, you know what, man? I forgive you for being the jerk that you are. <laughs> what? How can you do that? You want them Bible thumpers now? I said, that's right. God got me good, man. Church, we have got to know what love is. True spiritual love isn't something that we just blurt out and we like each other because we have been born again. We have to see what the Apostle Paul said to you and I in this word. Because of our regeneration and sanctification, we have to be, we've got to be lenient on the sinner. We have to see the potential. Not everyone's that awful. There's good in most people. It's what the devil in their own mind has combined through their lifestyle, the way they were raised. Man, we're living in a weird time when there's no more families. Where's mom and dad raising that kid? I was fortunate enough to have a mother and a father. They were with me all of my life. And, and the minute I start looking at what happens in people's lives, I forget that that person didn't have the upbringing that I had. I was blessed to have parents that loved me, loved myself, my, my nature, and I received it from them. And all the talents, gifts, and abilities that I received, my dad was a country music musician. My mom was a homemaker. I cooked for Wanda. And I sing to her. <laughs> but God's good to me. And I look at that and I look back on my times when I was so judgmental. And even as a Christian, I have got to pull back and say, I can't be so judgmental because I don't know that person's background or where they came from. I do know that God has placed me literally in front of them for a reason. God's grace is sufficient and I'm trying to hurry definition of grace what does everybody think the word grace means unmerited favor first thing that comes to mind right how about divine assistance given to man for his regeneration and sanctification that's grace now God's divine assistance was given to you even to bring you into salvation and his charity allows you to see the potential in some people because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall never perish but have everlasting life we are so blessed and let me encourage you, church. We can receive that blessing and we can give that blessing to people who are so desperate in the strangest year that we've ever lived in and is still going on. What is the devil's disciples going to do next year when all of this stuff is still trying to go on to keep you in bondage? You have got to have the courage and the trust and faith in God 
to take what he's given to you in these last hours? Who knows? We don't know when Jesus is going to come back for a church that's without spot or wrinkle. Now that's another sermon. We only know that our lives have got to line up with what the Word of God tells us. Stay true to form and know who your Savior is. And what has happened to you because you were born again? God has given you the ability to forgive. You may never forget, but even God can help you to push that out of your mind. And when the devil brings it back to remembrance, because he's good at that, can I hear another amen? Say, I forgave that person for that. And I've been forgiven for something almost as hideous because there's no small sin in the face of God. Even if you said one little bitty old lie, it's as bad as going out and doing something hideous. But that doesn't mean we live under condemnation. It only means that we can come back to the blood of Jesus and ask for forgiveness time and time again. But the thing called repentance is when we say, Lord, I'm not going to do that anymore. Be forgiven and don't go there anymore because God in his mercy and grace allows you to come back and say, thank you for forgiving me and I want to follow you and I want to be stronger because of it. I know I'm out of time, but man, there's sermon after sermon that goes with this. It's just wonderful to know the charity that Paul is talking about and the divine assistance called grace. Because you've been born again, we can make it. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for the word this morning, and we're grateful for your blessing on us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you that I'm saved, that, Lord, I've been forgiven, that I know you, and because of that, I'm going to give it all I've got. I'm going to refuse the life that we see other people living. I'm going to not condemn people. When I catch myself doing that, I want to see the potential of them. And help me, Lord, to see them in the eyes, through the eyes of God. And I give you praise for saving our souls this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Is there anyone here that would say to Jesus Christ, I'm not a real Christian. I may have said a few words to you, but now I want to redo that. Are you here this morning? Are you sure you've been born again? Because that's what it takes in order to see heaven. Nicodemus came to Christ. said, what have I got to do to receive what you have? And he told him, he says, you must be born again. That only means we not only say a bullet prayer, but we mean it. And when we know that Jesus Christ has forgiven us and lives in our heart, then we know that we're saved. Amen. Anybody here, we want to ask you to come up and let us lay hands on you and pray for you and believe God. Listening friend, do you know where you'll go after you die? Without the gift of Jesus, it will be an eternity in hell without God. Good works will not get you there. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. To spend eternity with God, we must recognize that we are sinners in need of Christ. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. To be assured eternal life, we simply talk to God, admit you are a sinner, and ask him for his free gift. 
You must mean the words to get the to be answered. Jesus is waiting to hear your request. If you have asked him for eternal life, he has come into you and he will change you. Start reading the book of Ephesians and see what God says about your new life. After you understand the book of Ephesians, you can start reading the Gospel of John. Next, find a good Bible teaching church. Tell the pastor about your decision for God and be taught. If you contact us, we will send you a new believer booklet free of charge. Congratulations and grow in Christ. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by snail mail at P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona 86431. We are happy to help with your new life in Christ or even answering Bible questions. Again, congratulations on your decision for Christ.